0: Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for great friends, great fellowship. We thank you for your sweet presence that's here. And I pray that each and every one will experience you if, you, if they haven't already done so. And I pray that their eyes and their ears will be open so they can experience your presence and your love and your friendship, God. Thank you for being here amen okay okay we're on a new series today called friendship so we're going to be talking about friendship for the next few weeks and the the topic for today is friendship with god now you were wired for friendship you were wired to have to have a friend you're wired for fellowship for community It's how god made you and one of the biggest rip-offs on the planet are people that, that are isolated, that are alone. And being alone is is the worst it's the worst feeling on the planet. And there's a reason for that, because God didn't create you to be alone. In Genesis, um, in Genesis one, you know, we have the creation account, the six days of creation, seventh day, God rested, and it's beautifully set up. It's a, it's a, it's actually a it's an incredible piece of Hebrew literature. The six days line up in two cool columns. I don't want to get into that today. Um, And then, you know, of course, every day is good. First day is good. Second day is good. Every day is good. On the sixth day, God creates man and says that it's good. And then we go into chapter two, and the story changes a little bit. Because in chapter, in in the first chapter, on the sixth day, it says that God created man in his image, and male and female, he created them. doesn't talk about Adam. He just says he created them, male and female, day six. Then we go into chapter 2, and then he talks about the creation of Adam. The creation of Adam, the perfect creation, the perfect being. That was good. And then he says something very interesting about Adam. He gives Adam an an incredible assignment. He says, you're going to have dominion over the planet, and you're going to name the animals. I want to know what you're going to say. And then he does, this, this is so profound, so deep, and I hope we can get it. He says, it, This isn't good. What? You just said it was good. And he says, No, it's not good for man to be alone. So, did God create Adam imperfect? No. He created him in pure perfection, but there was something missing, and it was not good for him to be alone. All right. The fall hadn't happened yet, sin hadn't been introduced yet. But there was something not right. You know, we can be dealing with loneliness and it's not right and it might not even be a sin issue. We were wired for friendship. You see, Adam was made in God's image. Perfect. And what we know about God is that God knew friendship. Friendship existed before he created time and space and the universe and the planet friendship existed in the very presence of the Holy Trinity friendship was there before time began and this is how we were created so actually even though there wasn't there was something missing he was created for friendship he was like God because God desires friendship and again we see it we see perfect friendship in the Trinity alright does that make sense Do you see why this is so important? Actually, no other religion on the planet does this. There's not a religion on the planet that says friendship is important. It's one of the key things to what we do. All right? So with that said, if you get your Bibles and turn with me to our key scripture today. John, Gospel of John, chapter 15. And chapter 15 is a great verse, a great chapter, because it talks about, you know, the I am the vine, you are the branches, and you have to abide in me. What he's basically saying, he's saying, I'm the vineyard, and you need to be planted in me. You need to get all your sustenance in me. You need to be in me. Crystal, can we show that video before we read this?
1: You get it? It's an interrupting no. cow. He interrupts. That's what Come he does. On. He's a that, moo, right? That is so dumb. It's a knock, dumb. knock It's joke. funny. Hey, Laura. Oh, oh. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What are you doing? It's me. It's Jesus. Lord, we take up our cross every day for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, but the cross is where it begins. Not ends. Thou art the beginning and the end, Lord, Alpha and Omega. It's all about you, Jesus. (laughs) Guys, I I just want you to be real with me. You are the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. (laughs) Drew, I think it's great when you worship me. Oh, yes, praise you, Lord Jesus. It's just that sometimes it feels like you're putting on a show. Oh, Jesus, please forgive me for putting on a show and being fake. uh... Okay, I, I forgive you. Oh, praise you okay. for your grace. <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank you. Guys, just say what you would normally say. Praise the No, I mean like, you know, if, if we were talking, you know, say what you'd say. Okay. Um, Drew, tell us a joke. What? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you were before. Thou art holy, Lord. That's not a joke. Oh, no. <sighs> no, I, I didn't mean that. <laughs> What are you guys doing? Jesus, we're living for you, just like we always do. Don't live for me, live in me. When you live in me, you'll understand who you are and what you're living for. I just want something a little bit deeper. But if this is all you want,
0: Okay, so this is what we're going to get after. We're going to get after the deeper things. You know, with it, all religions have some deep mystery, or they say we've got this, we've got this mystery thing that if, you, if, you, if you're one of us, we're going to let you in on the secret of the mystery of life, right? It, well, as far as Christianity goes, friendship is a mystery, and I'm convinced that 90% of believers are not friends with God. And if we could only understand this truth, if we could only grasp this mystery, we could go further up, further in, we could we would find that transformation, we would find that kingdom breakthrough that we talk about all the time. It's this area of friendship with God that I just don't think that we get. We get caught up into saying, praise alluya. Right? <laughs> Okay, so um, the scripture that's going to highlight this is, uh, we'll start at verse 12. Chap- uh, chapter 15, verse 12, Gospel of John. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has none, no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know what his master's business doesn't know his master's business instead i have called you friends everything that i have learned from my father i have made known to you you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name this is my command, love one another. This is the most revolutionary thing that has ever been said. Jesus, second member of the Holy Trinity, the very face of God says, you're my friend. What? Buddha didn't say that. Muhammad didn't say that. Zeus, Apollo, they definitely didn't say that. No one has said that. In fact, even in the Old Testament, it wasn't mentioned much, but it was there. It was there. There's only a very few people that were able to understand this mystery about God, this, this intimate friendship with God. Uh, David was able to, he understood it. He said, and if you've ever had a bad friendship, well, David had a bad friendship. He said, you know, the, the brother that I shared my bread with stabbed me in the back. So he was he was betrayed on a horrible level. And so he understood the the concept of, of a bad friendship, of of somebody turning, you know, turning your back on you, stabbing you in the back. So he understood that. But he also understood this deep mystery about God. See, and it was there is a brother that there is a friend that's closer than a brother. There's a friend that's closer than a brother. And, and Moses was able to tap into the secret. He actually had a conversation. Uh, however it looks, the Scripture says he, he talked face-to-face face with the Lord as one talks with a friend. He understood that. He, if you actually see Moses' interactions with, with God, it's, it's like they had a relationship. Moses was, God's like, Moses, I'm going to kill your people that you freed from Israel. And Moses is like, "Uh, okay, God, but they're not my people. They're your people and you freed them, right? Only a friend can have that kind of conversation. So Moses was able, in in fear and trembling, right? I'm sure. But God's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to smoke them, okay? But you see what, it's not that, that's not the issue. The issue is, is that God wants to have real conversations with people, in a real language, in the way that you actually talk, not with these and nows and praise He doesn't want a fake relationship with you. That's the secret that these guys have learned. Now, the guy who goes down in history, who is in the annals of Scripture for all eternity, is Abraham. Because the Bible actually says Abraham is my friend. I'll read it to you. This is Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 41.8. It's also mentioned in Chronicles. And uh, we're going to read it again in James. He says in Isaiah, he says, But you, Israel, my servant. Okay, Did you catch that? You, Israel, my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen... You, descendants of Abraham, my friend. My friend. How does he get so lucky? How does he get so lucky that God calls him friend? All right, well, we're going to look at that. We're going to look into what he did that was different than anybody else. I have eight points. Sorry. But we're going to get through them as fast as I possibly can. But Abraham was called, by God, friend, friend because he, he did some very specific things. And the first requirement that we have to have before we can call God, you know, the requirement of being friends with God, the first thing that we have to do is we have to have faith. Now, Paul understood this about Abraham. He knew that Abraham was a man of faith, of unusual faith. He even call him the father of the faith. But friendship with God requires faith. Okay, I could, do a, I could do an entire series on faith. So where, where can I possibly go with faith in one point? Well, faith is this ability to take a risk and not to rely on your own abilities and your own strengths. Faith is the ability to let the Spirit of God do things through us instead of us trying to do things for God. What do I mean by that? All right. Well, Pastor hit on this last week. He talked about, uh, he talked about what Abraham did. You guys all know the story of Abraham sacrificing you know, or attempting to sacrifice his son to God. Now, if God asks you to sacrifice and kill your child... You would have to be really close with God because you would think that you're crazy, right? So Abraham's communication with God was so crystal clear that he, he believed it. He be, okay, all right, I hear your voice clearly. And he was willing to kill his son. Now, not only was he going to kill his son who it was promised a long time ago and the the pregnancy, 10 years to take it in effect and now he's an old man and finally God's going to kill the promise? You know, people that are outside of the Christian faith or the the Judeo-Christian faith, you know, they read this story and they automatically assume, man, God is one really strange, masochistic, sadistic God who likes to play mean tricks on people like okay i want you to kill your son oh nope just kidding pastor made the powerful point that god will never do this again but no one on the planet had been tested as hard as abraham was tested so not only did he have to kill his only son that he or his second son that he loved not only did he have to do that but how do you explain that to your wife how is he going to come home and explain that to Sarah? Oh, yeah, by the way, I sacrificed our son. And the community that he's in, how is, how is the community going to respond to such a horrific act? Even though this is ancient culture, I mean, this would have been bad. They would have killed him for it. It was his own life. It was his own, uh, it was his own progeny. It was his own name that he was killing off. It was everything but it was this faith that drove it. See, Abraham was so committed to being in God's presence that he was willing to do anything to get it. And he had enough faith to know that it was going to be okay. Either God was going to raise him, raise Isaac from the dead or either you know God was going to provide and stop his hand. And if he doesn't, it doesn't really matter anyway because I'm being obedient. I'm being obedient. All right, so that's the main thing. We have to have a faith, a faith that takes us beyond our own abilities. All right. Next point is that friendship with God requires action. Now, a lot of us say, oh, I have faith. I have faith that God is going to provide me with an amazing job, but I'm not going to put my resume out. I have faith that God is going to bless me with an incredible spouse, but I'm not going to date. He's he's just going to bring him to my door. Uh, I'm not going to get out there. And a lot of us live our lives this way, that we're just waiting for God to do something to us instead of... Putting action behind it ourselves. And James addresses this. He saw this in Abraham. In James chapter 2, verse 22 through 24, says, You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. And it was credited. To, it was credited to him as righteousness. Here's that verse. And because of this, he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by the faith. Not by faith alone. This is a common theme in the Bible. It's. It's the word and deed type of thing, right? You can read your Bible, but if you don't do your Bible, then, then it's dead. It's dead works. Now, the same is true for works. If you do works without faith, it's just as useless. If you're doing works and you're not, in, you're not allowing God to move in faith, then what you are doing is that you're doing your to-do list for God. You're, 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 you're a servant. Jesus says, I no longer call you a servant. You're my friend. Most of the Christian life, especially in American Christianity, we have a servant's attitude. We have a servant's position. We were, we're too busy you know, fulfilling our to-do list and not being a friend with God. He wants us in a closer relationship. And when we come to get into that friendship with God, he lets us in on other things. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so friendship with God requires action. Um, I don't want to hit on the Mary and Martha story in detail, but friends produce more than servants do. Lovers get more work done than workers. Even in modern business management, everybody knows that, you know, there's two types of really good workers. There's workers that get their to-do list, they do everything on their list, they check it all off, and then they clock out. That's a good worker, right? Would you all agree? The better worker is the one that has ownership in the company that they have a relationship with the boss and the CEO, that they actually have the best interest in mind for the company over their paycheck. That's tough, huh? Do you feel that way right now? They want to see their boss succeed. They want to see the company succeed. And yeah, they'll, do their, they'll be obedient, and they'll do their to-do list, but they'll also, they'll also be thinking creatively of how to make things better how can I actually contribute beyond what I have been called to do? That's the key to it. That's the difference. All right, next thing. Friendship with God requires an honest heart. An honest heart. What does that mean? Well, you have to be honest with God when you talk to him you have to make sure that your motivations are true, that you don't have ulterior motives when you engage God. (coughs) All right, think back to your high school days, okay? So, um, you know, again, friendship is something that is built inside of us. We desire friendship. Now, in, in high school, when you pursued friends, did you pursue friendship because you actually wanted to be friends with that individual, with that cheerleader, or that jock, or whoever the, I don't know, maybe the, you know, the, the thespian or whatever? Or were you wanting to climb the social ladder? Were you seeing, well, what's in it for me if I have this good relationship? How will this relationship benefit me? If you did that in high school, if you're still doing that now, if you pursue relationships for social status and for climbing the ladder, you're going to do it with God. You will prostitute your relationship with God if that's how you approach friendships. I'll explain that. You want, you want to hear a joke? All right, all right. I, uh, I I made it PG for church. All right. Okay, who's like the the most attractive supermodel that we have right now? Who? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kimberly Noise. Okay. Um, Heidi Klum, perfect. Okay, Heidi Klum. She's a, she's obviously a very beautiful woman. Uh, she's out of my league and any other guys in this building out of your league too. Right. <laughs> no hope in a million years. All right? Um, that's the that, that dumb and dumber where he says, so what are my chances of me dating you? She's like, one in a million. He's like, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, so Hardy Klum is on a cruise ship, and, uh, and, and there's like a, there's like this average guy that's on there too, big boat, big full of people, but the, the ship sinks and they're, they're castaways on this island and it's just Heidi Klum and average Joe right it's just this average guy I mean he's a nice guy but you know he's not incredibly good-looking and he's short and hairy and you know <laughs> balding and you know he's got some weird social skills and you know he's a good guy but he's just I mean this is he's Heidi's nowhere in, near his league and because this is a church, they get married, even though there's no pastor to marry them. But they, you know, they're, they're, on, they're on this island for the rest of their lives, and so they get married. And they're making the best of it. You know, they're it's they're like, okay, this is as good as it's going to get, so we might as well just enjoy each other. And, you know, and Joe's just, yeah, he's obviously a very, you know, he's a lucky guy, right? He's stranded on an island with Heidi Klum. doesn't get any better. I mean, for her, not so great, but... You know, it is what it is, you make the best of it. And years pass, there's another shipwreck, but there are no survivors, and all this wreckage washes up on the shore, and they're excited because they've got some new provisions, of some new food, and things like that. And um, there's a there's a suitcase, there's a man's suitcase, and has all you know, has a suit and tie and jacket, shoes, and so a little time passes and and Joe looks at Heidi around the campfire, he says, Heidi. It's going to sound really weird, but um, well, how would you feel if you just dressed up for a man for one night? Is it, excuse me? Right, just, just please, Heidi, please, just go with me there, just once. Just, just put on this man clothes, just for one night, okay? It's like, all right, Joe, that's a little weird, but, you know, we're kind of bored, so I'll, I'll play along. Just puts on the hat, the jacket, the tie, the slacks. Sitting around the fire, Joe's just kind of, you know, talking back and forth. He's like, hey, Heidi, do you mind if I call you John? He's like, all right, Joe, whatever. Okay, you can call me John. Joe says, hey, Heidi. Oh, sorry, sorry. Hey, Joe, or hey, John. Heidi says, yes, Joe. He says, guess what? What? He's like, I'm married to Heidi Klum. <laughs> 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 So, so you have to have an honest heart when you pr- approach friendship with God. What's your motivation, right? Are you, is it really a friendship or are you trying to get something out of God? you want to say, ooh, look who I'm dating. Ooh, look who's my God. I, God I'm, I'm better friends with God than you are. You ever done that? I'm more spiritual than you are. I, I can speak Christianese a lot better than you can. I know what "Praise means in the Greek. <laughs> right? It requires honesty. In Proverbs 11:13 says, "A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret." And what God is saying is saying, "Can I can I trust you with information?" See, God of the universe, who knows everything that there is to know. He wants to be your friend, and he actually wants to share information for, with you. He wants to share the universe with you. Can he trust you with it? He has secrets. He's going to give you some secrets. Can you, can you ponder them in your heart? Can you plant them in who you are? Or are you just going to go and blurt blur it out all over the place? Guess what God told me? Now, I'm a big fan of testimony, right? I want to know what God is doing in your life. It's extremely important. It it builds your faith when you can verbalize what God has done in your life. It builds my faith. It builds everybody else's faith in the room. The spirit of testimony is incredibly powerful in building up the body of Christ. You guys need to be having God talks. But what we don't want to do is get into a spiritual competition where God did more cool things to me than he did to you. That's, that's dangerous. And God says, I can't quite trust you with stuff because you're going you're gonna to try and make yourself look better with it. Next point ties in very closely. Friendship with God requires a protective spirit. You have to jealously guard your friendship with God. What is that? Wait, really? I thought you want us talking about a relationship with God. I do. But you see, God doesn't want to be quenched and he doesn't want to be offended and you just you have to be very sensitive with your relationship with God. Again, there's some things that he shares with you that you need to keep to yourself. He wants to give you revelation. He wants to speak to you prophetically. But that might just be for you and for you to pray alone. All right, let's see if we can flesh this out a little bit. Um, Proverbs 25, verse 2. The glory of God is to conceal a matter. The glory of God is to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. So in God's kingdom, he conceals things. In man's kingdom, in the pol- we know this quite well right now, in the political kingdom, you want to you expose everything. You want to blow everything apart. You have to jealously guard this relationship. I'll explain. All right. Does um, anybody... Starstruck. Like you see a movie star or a rock star or a famous person or a famous preacher and you just freak out. Like, oh my gosh, it's Justin Bieber. You know, I was like, you know, you just, you know. Okay, I, I'm not, I'm not. I don't know what it is about me, but I just don't, I don't get starstruck. I mean, I, I enjoy people. I want to meet new people, and if they're famous, that's cool. But when I had the antique shop in Pasadena, uh, I had a lot of Hollywood folks come and visit. They would either get stuff for props for the, for the industry, or even actors and actresses would come, and they would buy. And um, I was never like, oh, my gosh, do you see who's in my shop? And I didn't make a big deal about it. And as a result, they stayed a long time in my shop and they came back, and they bought a lot of stuff, and I began to develop a relationship with them. They told me stuff about their life that they wouldn't tell anybody else. Think about it this way. Let's say you had a friend in high school that you guys were best buds, and then you graduated, and your best buddy became a famous movie star. You guys still get together every once in a while, but now when you get together, you are tweeting about it. You are texting about it. You're pictogramming, pen interest, whatever. You're, you're putting it on the Internet. You're calling your friends. Guess who I'm having lunch with? My best friend, Heidi Klum. She's not your friend, is she? No, she's my friend. <laughs> and then eventually, you know, all of your other loser friends are going to come over and they're going to be peeking in the window to see who's, who's it. Hey, she really is in there. Okay, is Heidi Klum going to want to come back to your house? You've grieved her. you grieved the Holy Spirit. You've actually prostituted the relationship. If you do that with your friends, you're going to do that with God. God doesn't want us to prostitute that relationship with him. He wants to be with us. He wants to be friends with us. But if we're all consumed about tweeting him, getting him out there, and look what God's done with me, which again, testimony is powerful, it's good, but what is the heart of it? What are you trying to prove? Who are you trying to manipulate? Are you trying to use what God does in your life to manipulate other people? Once. You In that mindset, do you know what you are? You're a slave. You're not a friend. You're not a lover. You're a worker. You're a doer. You're trying to get something out of the relationship. You want the God paycheck. He just wants to hang out with you. The most famous person in the universe wants to be your friend. Hmm? All right. So you've got to have, a, you have to have a protective spirit. You need to protect your time with the Lord. Some things you need to share with your brothers and sisters. Some things are just between two friends, you and the Lord. Can you do that? Friendship with God requires perseverance. You have to stick with it. Friends stick with it. Employers don't stick with it, or employees don't stick with it. You know, worker bees don't stick it out. They see something better along, they're gonna they're gonna jump on it. All right. Difficult, serious question. Are you dealing with unanswered prayer in your life? And have you given up? Have you just said, I know what, I'm not gonna pray about it anymore, I don't care. I give up praying for that. I'm not gonna pray for that loved one anymore. I'm not gonna pray for this situation anymore. God hasn't answered my prayer, I I'm done. Well, it's because you're a servant. Friends don't give up. If you're friends with God, you don't give up on that person. And if you're friends with people, you don't give up on that person. If you're friends with God, you don't give up either. You, you continue to pray. If you, don't, if you have unanswered prayer in your life, and you're not asking God why, if you're like, God, can we just have a conversation? Why isn't this, why, why isn't this happening? Why? It is irresponsible for a mature Christian to say, God hasn't answered my prayer, so I'm going to give up. If you don't know what the answer is, you've got to figure it out. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's spiritual. But it's your, responsi- it's your responsibility to figure out why you have unanswered prayer in your life. And you have a friend that you can talk to about it and not just give up on. We We drop God faster than we drop bad friends. We're more inclined to keep a bad friend in our life than we are to keep God in our life. Friends keep on knocking. All right, next last point. Friendship with God, it requires us to go further. See, God, that last bit of that video, he says, I want more. Look, look, look. (laughs) Yeah, I I died for your sins. I died on the cross. This is where it begins. The cross isn't the end. The the cross is the beginning. I want to go further. I want a deeper relationship. I want more. Our problem is that we choose, as believers, where we're going to level off. In our spiritual growth, it, especially if we're relying on our our natural gifts, and then if we rely, if we if we even rely on our spiritual gifts, we will choose to level off with God. So we're no longer functioning in the area of faith. We're no longer being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I have, I've got natural gifts. I've got natural abilities, and I can do it on my own. I can get some stuff done. But if it's not being blown by the, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's useless, really. It's a false sense of accomplishment. And again, he wants us to go further in. What, what does that mean? All right. When, when Jesus says, "I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know what the master's doing, but I call you friends." And what he's saying, he's saying if you have the courage and the obedience to enter into friendship with me, I'm going to let you in on the inner circle of things. I'm going to give you a revelation that, that you've never seen before. You will know what God is doing if you have the courage and the obedience to be my friend. See, this is where I'm going to get theological. God didn't create us to be robots, spiritual robots. If, if all we do is say, all I want is God's will in my life and I'm just going to be happy and content with that, we've chosen to where we want to level off. God has called us further than just that. Look at Adam. You think back to Adam, who was created, who was created perfectly, and he was given an assignment, and the assignment was to name the animals. Adam, I want you to name the animals. That four-legged thing with black and white stripes. You're going to name it, and I want to know what you're going to come up with. That's what the Bible says. That ought to blow your head off right there. Because what God is saying, is saying, if you are in the boundaries of my will, I'm gonna, and you're created in my image, you get to create. The rest of John 15, he says, whatever you ask for in my name, I'm going to give it to you. It doesn't say whatever you ask for, and if it's my will, I'm going to give it to you. It says whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to give it to you. You can only do that if you're friends with God. So we're, not, we, I know, we're getting in theological troubles because of the whole predestination Calvin thing, right? A few weeks ago, I talked about the concept of, uh, of God violating our will. So we're a bunch of dumb kids playing in the street, and we're going to get run over. God breaks into our life, and he saves us, right? You would do that for your kids. God does it for us. But there's, a, there's some point where we are given some spiritual common sense where we don't play in the street anymore. I don't believe in the total depravity of man because I believe that we are made in the image of God, that there is God's spark in us. If it was total depravity of man, we'd be animals. We're we're, we're a percentage away from a chimpanzee, right? Genetically, that is. Your nephew might be something different, but... um, We're made in the image of God. Yes, we are sinners saved by grace. Soli gracia. He is going to save us from hell, torment, damnation, all of that. He paid the ultimate price for that. But at some point in your spiritual growth, in your walk, you have to come to the conclusion that that yes, I am a sinner saved by grace, but that is no longer my identity in Christ. In heaven, there's not going to be a spiritual AA meeting where we sit around a circle and say, my name is Joshua Kapczynski, and I'm a sinner saved by grace. No. We're friends. We're actually co-heirs with Christ, Jesus our brother, where we're sitting in the same seat with Jesus. We are meant to rule We are meant to rule with him. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you can do it here and you can do it now if you can learn the secret of friendship with me. You can experience that here and now. What do he say? All right. Amen. Amen. Time to wrap it up, Pastor Josh. <laughs> Again, this friendship thing that we have with, with God, is, is, it's, it's unique. No other religion on the planet has it. When you read your Bible, do you, do you realize that you're reading it with your friend? It wasn't meant to be read alone. It, it's not an information dump. And once we read the Bible with our friend, it becomes the living text. Uh, You could could read the Quran, but you can't read it with Muhammad. You could read the, the, the Proverbs of Buddha, but you can't read it with Buddha. You can read the Testament of Jesus Christ with Jesus Christ that's the way that it should be read. All
1: right.
0: I'm going to wrap it up. I've got to have the band to come on up to the front. You need, to, you need to ask yourself this question. Am I a servant or am I a friend? Am I relying on the Spirit of God to move me forward or am I, am I relying on my own abilities? Do you have a pure heart? Or are people and God, are they there to serve me? Am I, am I manipulating people? Or are, are they my friends? Uh, do I have the honesty within my own heart to not prostitute the gospel or the presence of God? Can I just sit still in his presence? You see, I think this is the, the secret to having the kingdom of God expressed in your life. It doesn't necessarily sit in your abilities to... Um, Get God to do stuff. It rests in your ability to truly know His heart, to know where He is, and, and to be friends with Him because He cares for you. And this is He's going to give you whatever you want if you ask. And I think that in our in our mindset, whenever we're trying to get God to do stuff, we have a servant mentality. When, in, in fact, we just need to be with God instead of doing for God. We've got to have the, uh, the ushers to come up to the front. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everyone here that, uh, that we will learn this, this secret of friendship, God. This the secret that David and Moses and Abraham tapped into. They knew that obedience was everything. But obedience with the right heart and the right attitude is what makes you a friend. And Father, right now I pray that you would just help us to repent, where we're just trying to, I don't know, God, we're just, we're in the wrong mindset. God, forgive us for being in that mindset. God, I pray that we would have real conversations with you in our real language, in our real voice, and the words that we use every day. And forgive us, God, for saying praise alleluia. Forgive us for trying to make a relationship religion. Forgive us for tainting a relationship with you, tainting a friendship. God, right now, I pray for everyone in the room that is struggling with isolation and loneliness. I pray that you will bless them. I pray that before they seek friendships with brothers and sisters, that they will seek friendship with you first and that you will tell them that that is okay. Fill our hearts, God, fill our hearts with people, with friends, and community. Fill our hearts with love, Lord. I pray you bless this offering. Thank you so much for all of those that sacrificed so much, that have been willing to give it all, (coughs) that put their lives back in. I pray that you bless them tremendously because they have had faith with the little. And I pray that you would increase their faith with more. We love you. Amen.